you're listening to the Leave It Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Tokes Aroturi. This is episode 66. Welcome to the Leave It Inside Out podcast where we believe the inside is superior to the outside. Episode 66 is your life as a classroom. It's the end of another week. Seriously, where does the time go? Forget this week. Guys, we are in practically in December, actually, with end of November, pretty much in December. We're at the end of the year. We made it through. (laughs) But I hope you've had a good week so far. Can you feel the Christmas in the air? I certainly can. At work, the girls put up our Christmas window and it is feeling pretty festive at the baby cot shop. And I love the end of the year, especially this one, because even though we all have the ability and willpower to start afresh whenever we want to, there's something extra special and more energetic about aligning new goals to the start of a new year. So I'm excited. And then the end of 2022 is so welcome for me because I've I've not had the easiest of years. It's been a year of growth. It's been a year of challenges as well. Not entirely, to be fair. For the bulk of it, it has been good. But where the challenges have shown up, it has shown me pepe, as we say in Nigeria. I don't know how your year has been. But mine sort of feels like I took a deep breath. <gasps> And I've been holding it in and I'm yet to exhale. (laughs) But before I carry on, I do want to say thank you. Thank you for trusting me enough to listen to my contents, to share it, to, you know, take on my views and my lessons and my mistakes and my love and take it all into your space. I always talk about being intentional on what and whom you have in your environment. And I am honored that you have chosen my words to dwell in your space. So thank you for listening and for telling me back the lessons, because guess what? Someone said something to me the other day that actually encouraged me. And she said, this is what you said on your podcast. So I do feel blessed to be in a space where healthy words are being shared all around. And I do need that encouragement as well. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And do kindly rate and review this podcast on whatever app you're listening on. If you're new here, welcome. You will love it. I promise you. I talk about mindset, faith and business and I stay in my own lane. (laughs) This means that I will only share what I know to be true because it has been my experience. So this week, I've been learning a lot about consistency. We had annual business strategy meeting, which was chaired by Concepts World. I've left their details in the show notes, and it was really inspiring and quite holistic as well. So rather than it being a focus on just the business and numbers, it was also a lot to do with mindset and just our general behavior and our attitude to life. So I really enjoyed that. That was good. But as I prepared for the meeting, I, of course, started to look back over the past year at what we should have done that we didn't do, what we actually did, what worked, what didn't work. And I was particularly pained over the items that made the list in 2021 
2022 and they're still being pushed over to 23, especially when they were small and simple. And then it hit me, just like recording my podcast, posting on social media and other activities. There are things that I have vowed to do regularly and I haven't been consistent. The reason the desire to keep going never goes away is because that's really what I need to do. But then I need to do it consistently. And so sometimes we look at things and say it's not working when really it would work if only we stuck with it or if only we were consistent. And I know that this has been my, it's been the story for me for a while in some areas of my life and I really am working on it. There are things that we don't need to scrap as though it's not working. Some of the simple things just need to be consistent. Are there things in your life that you know you should be doing, but five years later, you're still talking about how you need to do them? If it was impossible, I guarantee you that the urge and the desire would have left you a long time ago. But the fact that you can't let it go is proof that you are more than capable And any conflict within you has nothing to do with your ability and everything to do with your consistency. So think about that. Send me a message and let's chat some more on social media about that. And I'd love to see how many people this resonates with. In the previous episode, I mentioned a name, (laughs) Angela Giacim, twice. I mentioned her name and I said to you twice that I was going to tell you all about her, but each time... I began speaking about the impact that she's had on me. I went off and never returned from my tangent. And so that is very much real life for me. I hold conversations and pivot and never quite make it back to where I started. So it's uh, one of my many gifts. <laughs> so I decided that today I will tell you about Angela, but then I'd also tell you about a few other people who have had an impact on my life and how their words or their actions changed me. And I'm listing them in no particular order, but we're of course gonna start with Angela because that was my intention from last week. So Angela J. Kim is a concert pianist and an entrepreneur. She was doing Instagram reels before Instagram even existed. (laughs) So I don't even follow her much these days, but back then, and I'm talking over 10 years ago, I stumbled across her, I think it may have been in a magazine or online, I saw her somewhere and I was drawn to her transparency. At the time, I was uh, just starting my business from scratch and really needed somebody who was a normal person, i.e. not a celebrity, not a trust fund kid, and they were also starting their business so that we could sort of run the race together. I didn't need to know this person. I just needed to know that they existed. And no one in my circle was in the same boat as I was. I also really needed somebody that was indeed starting from scratch like me. And so she used to record her short YouTube videos about what she was up to, her intentions, her disappointments, her successes. Angela shared everything and I was so encouraged by them. One time she took us, her viewers, to a location where she one day wanted her shop to stand. She didn't even have a product line at the the time, but she knew that she wanted to 
launch her own product line and open up a few spas in New York and she wanted them to be in high-end location and I want to say that that gave me the courage to pretty much do the same to begin to visualize where my business will stand in an affluent part of London because if you don't have the experience if I didn't have that exposure to how she was running it I would have been stuck with my idea of how I thought people started high-end businesses and my idea would have been they're from a rich family or they whatever they somehow made a lot of money and that would have been an obstacle for me and so she hadn't started her product line but she was huge on vision boarding and visualizing and all of that stuff beyond that the impact she had on me was the permission to also share my story in real time as it was happening. And so today I share without holding back because I know that there are business people who need a story like mine to encourage them to keep going. Now, I'm not even claiming to be a success story or anything like that, but I'm hoping that my experience of resilience and starting from scratch encourages somebody somewhere. So thank you, Angela J. Kim. And Angela now has a thriving business, probably a few thriving businesses. And she's the creator of the Save a Planner, which I mentioned in the previous episode. And, and, and I decided that I was going to start reading from my journal to you. I was going to, um, on social media, take a portion of a of my journal, read it and tell you about my problem solving process because a lot of my problems end up in my journal. But sometimes good stuff is in there. No, a lot of good stuff is in there as well, actually. And so my intention when I decided to do that was really just to show you the power of journaling and how I solve problems. But somebody said to me recently that people tend to hear only the part of my journey that I have come out of. So I may share challenges, but I only share them after I have come out of it, which is, yes, it can be relatable. But beyond that, people need to know that I still have problems today, which I certainly do. So I thought I'm going to be transparent and take a portion that I'm happy to share, which is still quite private, but then talk to you about the process and how I was able to navigate my way out of it or not. And so that's going to be starting uh, this week it's going to start every it's going to come out every Thursday so if you head to Tux Arutere that's my handle on Instagram and Facebook you will find the tea in there next on my list is Valerie Burton Valerie is one of my favorite people she's an author of several books she's a life coach and a speaker and she's also got a coaching school I think I must have come across her book in the airport during my travels before I started my business. And I loved that she was a woman of color. She is a woman of color, which I found relatable. And she's got her photo on the front page of her books, well, at least on her earlier books. More importantly, she's a teacher because some people don't teach. They just tell us what they know, right? But I found her writing to be inspiring, relatable, true, authentic, and believable. One key lesson I learned from her that stands out is, I will not stare at a closed door. So she'd been in a season in her life where things had gone in a different direction from what she had envisaged for herself. 
And I imagine that she kept looking back. It's just such a powerful visual. And the first time I heard her say that, I think I was on a coaching call with her. She used to run. She still does coaching group, actually, but she stopped it for a while and has started again. I must have been on that call when I heard that. And I had been uh, struggling because my life, as I knew it, as I preferred to live it, had come to an end. I had moved from Atlanta back to the United Kingdom and things were just nowhere near what I wanted it to look like. And so I found that I was living my life in the rear view by looking at the rear view mirror, constantly looking back at what I had. And I used, I even began to use my past as a template for my future. But that sentence, I will not stare at a closed door, set me free the day I heard it because it caused me to turn around and be open to the possibility that there was something new and something beautiful ahead of us. You know, many of us live primarily by our senses and our feelings. And this means that we only recognize the tactile or emotional as reality. And we consider the past and the present to be the entirety of what's possible. But the yet to happen, the invisible, we don't even consider the impossible might be possible. You might be staring at a closed door if you can only create or imagine a future using components from the past or the present. Next on my list is Sarah Blakely. I have talked about her more times than anyone else on this podcast, I think. One of the stories, one of the many stories that inspired me, I mean, her entire journey was the background music to my life at one time. But one that stood out was when she asked the patent lawyer if he could go over her DIY patent. You see, in a country like the United Kingdom and growing up sheltered in Nigeria, one of the disadvantages is the need to conform. You grow up believing that there are only two ways to do things, the right way or the wrong way. And what Sarah did for me was show me that I could use my way. I could be creative, I could be intuitive, and I could do things in a way that had never been done before. I also recall when she was working on the packaging for her spank, her pantyhose, she went to the supermarket and bought about six packs of different brands. <laughs> and she said she turned them all on their front so she could see the back of them all. And any text that was repeated on all six packs, she decided must be legal. And then she put it on hers. <laughs> I think that Sarah Blakely has had the biggest impact on me as a businesswoman because I could see myself in her. And because she told her story, I and countless other women received the goths to leave ours. Now, you didn't think I was going to go through this list and not mention Mrs. Michelle Obama, did you? Sister Michelle, it's her down-to-earthness, her authenticity, her ordinariness. One of the thoughts that had me stumped while reading her biography was how she had time to consider her role as a mother while having such a powerful and important position as first lady. She cared about her children's bedtime in the White House. 
There have been times that I have dismissed my kids' bedtime because I had guests, but not her. And so what that did for me was made me wonder how she was able to compartmentalize her role. And my conclusion is that she was able to leave as first lady, recognizing it was a position and a job, while also remembering and living as Michelle, the mother, the person, the wife. That's my conclusion. I find that my whole life work blurs into family life and family life also blurs back into work. And I think that that's normal. And I'm not even talking of I spend more time here, there or the other. It's even just in the thinking where there is very little demarcation. I think I see my whole life as a working mum, which is a very normal and expected terminology to use. But what I mean is, I think that Mrs. Obama has a job or had a job or has a job. She's still doing stuff, has a job and also recognizes herself as Michelle and hasn't allowed her role to define her. And that's what has kept her grounded. Somehow she was able to excel and ascend beyond the emotional thrill of being in the White House. Because I know me. Your girl would have gotten stuck at the magnitude of my new position. And I think I would have lived in the thrill of it a bit too long. Because it's an emotional vortex. That's what I just imagine it to be which you will not be able to get out of. So yes, we need to celebrate, but we don't need to build our house and leave in the space. And this note is to myself as well. On that note, I was being interviewed some months back about journaling and the question was asked, are you ever worried that someone would read your journal? And the truth is I'm not. My husband has promised that he'll never ever read it and I believe him. But it's not because of that alone. But I've noticed how my writings have evolved over the years. And now, in this season of my life, I'm writing no longer to bear my soul and vent and cry. I do that still. But that's not the only thing I do now. I write life lessons in there. And I am allowing my life to potentially be a classroom that future generations will learn from. I can imagine my future granddaughter, please Lord, let's have at least one girl in the family when the time comes. I imagine her reading her grandmother's memoirs and being uplifted by it. I want to leave wisdom behind for my children and for their children and their children as well. So now I think about how I can be that woman that somebody somewhere, some member of my family, generations down the line, will quote and say that they have the tools with which to navigate life. And it was their ancestors' memoirs. Maybe I'm going too far into the future. Granddaughter's good. Great-granddaughter would be fine. And it doesn't have to be just daughters. I'm just, I'm just speaking this into being. We need girls in our family. <laughs> But that's my deep desire, that's my prayer, that my life will one day be named as on a list of women who shaped 
their lives. So I want to leave you with a question. Every morning in my mentoring group, I share a thought-provoking piece that moves us to do some soul-searching. The goal is to unearth that part of us that has been buried by layers of stuff. So if you want to join the next cohort, we will be starting again in February next year. You can head to my website, talksarotory.com, to leave your name on the list because it is, again, a very small group. And so last Wednesday, I spoke to the group about leaving the comfort zone because I'm about to leave my comfort zone. I'm on the very edge. I have been standing on the edge of this nest for years, but more pressing in the last few months. And I literally feel like I'm being pushed out. But on that day, it hit me that my prayers for deliverance and intervention have really been prayers to keep me safe in my comfort zone. I thought I was in danger and about to fall off the edge and I was scrambling and holding on for dear life, when in reality, I'm about to fly off the ledge into greater heights. And I want you to think of your life that way, that when you are holding back and scared that you're about to fall, how about looking at it as you're about to fly? There's a sobering quote, which I first heard from Omotola Thomas. Omotola is a beautiful Nigerian woman who was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's at the age of 35. So she had been suffering the symptoms for, I want to say three years, maybe two years, two to three years before she was finally diagnosed, because no one, even though she had the symptoms, it was ridiculous at that age to come up with it, right? But in that period, she had multiple doctor appointments in various countries, and she had her final appointment here in the United Kingdom. I think she was living in South Africa, and she flew in, I can't quite remember, and she flew in. The night before her diagnosis, she began doing some research online and knew that it was Parkinson's. And then she read this quote by Patrick Overton. When you come to the edge of all the light you have and must take a step into the darkness of the unknown, believe that one of two things will happen. Either there will be something solid for you to stand on or you will be taught how to fly. And Omotola said that she knew that before morning, before her appointment, she'll have to learn how to fly. A time will come when you'll have to leave the safety of the nest. But rest assured, the wings you've been growing over time will involuntarily spread so you can fly. Leaving the nest might feel like God has abandoned you. You may spend weeks or months or even years praying for a breakthrough when in reality you're actually praying to feel safe, covered, less exposed as you stand on the edge of the ledge. The stripping away of all that is safe and familiar is a necessary part of the process of discarding the weight so you can fly. I have become so convinced of that. You're not really afraid of taking a risk because your safety is threatened. Your safety is not in jeopardy. It's actually the feeling of security that's at stake. 
And so you may find that you are giving all of your energy, all of your time, all of your attention to keeping yourself within that comfort zone because you think that you're in danger when really you're just feeling vulnerable. And vulnerability comes when you have everything stripped away. And that's what we call a challenge but God calls it something else. He says that he's removing the excesses that you're carrying so you can soar. So I want you to meditate on this question. Is it possible that God has simply stripped away the excess baggage so that you can fly? If you are unsure of this or you don't answer this question, you will probably end up dedicating your time to holding on to the weight and calling it precious gems instead of learning to fly. Thank you so much for listening to episode 66. I do not take it lightly that you have chosen to spend some 30 or so minutes with me and I do appreciate you trusting me. Please don't forget to review and rate this podcast with a five-star wherever you're listening. Until next time, fly.